All right, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the High Button Podcast. I am your host, Justin Belanger. Thank you very much for tuning in today. As always, if you could do us a quick favor, head on over to our iTunes page. Give us a rating, five-star, four-star, nothing below a four-star here, obviously. A comment, it's things like that that allow the High Button to grow in order to where we want it to go in the next couple of years. Thank you very much. Uh, today on the podcast, I'm excited about this one. We got myself, Billy, and dudes. We're all the way out here in beautiful Liverpool, Nova Scotia. Well, actually, we're in Bridgewater, but uh, we're up here for a tournament or just a couple exhibition games uh, in Liverpool. The Canadian women's national team has a camp going on here, and they're playing against some of uh, the Maritime Junior Hockey League teams, the league that myself, Billy, and dudes used to play in, uh, Picto and the Valley, I believe. So we thought it would be a good idea for us to come down here, interview some players. We know Jill Sonier. She's been on the podcast a couple times before, so we thought it would be a good opportunity to come down, talk to her, see her play. Um and it's going to be a great time. This podcast today, uh, you know, it's an exciting one. I, I love training camp. I know that the hockey season is around the corner. You can sniff it. You can smell it. It's in the air. Whenever you walk into a rink this time of year, it's a, you know that smell. If you're a hockey guy, you know the smell I'm talking about, and it's the smell of hockey coming back to life. Uh, so we're going to jump on the podcast here. I think we've got a couple training camp stories. we got Mitch Marner saga. we got free agency. we got money. we got NHL. we got... Tons of topics to talk about today, so it's going to be a good one. We're here in a beautiful house out in uh, Bridgewater. Shout out to Warner for the house, and uh, it's going to be a good one. Hi, Button. You know what comes next. Here we go. All right, boys, we're going here full swing. Going where? We're starting the podcast. Huh? Already here. Right on. Um, tons to talk about. If you know, there's I think there's two exciting times in the hockey season. Maybe three, one is at the very beginning, two is at the end of playoffs, and three, whatever, midway. Uh, but right now we're at the very beginning of it. Nobody knows what's going on in the free agent world. Mitch Marner is holding out, and apparently, from what I hear from you experts, is that uh, no one's going to sign until Marner signs. What are your thoughts on all this? I know everyone's beating it to death, but it's just kind of hard not to talk about it. It's fun to talk about it. Buddy, I think I I, uh, I, put my feelings out there on Twitter the other day, I think, about how I feel about the situation. I know it's, you know it's all about the money for these dicks and all that stuff, but, I mean, the difference of one mil at the end of the day. Like, I think Darcy Tucker, I think it was, who said it best, was if you really want to be in Toronto, you'll make it so you're in Toronto. You know, if you have to take an $800,000 pay cut, I know it sounds kind of ridiculous but i don't know I, I it's bullshit to me just you're sending the wrong message around around the league in my mind and now all these kids are just gonna hold out until until they get the money that they want and then eventually you're taking some money away from somebody else you know yeah i mean we talked about it the other day same same kind of thing like you're like they're showing these precedents that now the players are making the calls now not the owners before it was this is what you had. This is what you're offered. If you like it, take it. If you don't, you don't like see you later. And now it's getting to the point where you're seeing you're seeing 19 year old guys running owners, billionaire shows like you can't like you can't have that at the end of the day. Like you don't you can't walk in at a job like anywhere and just be like, I want to be paid this much and I'm not working until you give me this much. Like that's not, yeah. that's not really it, it you is, put that into a real life scenario that you doesn't really work that way that's a good fortunately i mean yeah hockey's a crazy money-making market but at the end of the day it's it's still their job and they still have 
a boss and they still have owners. And I mean, the one argument I, I keep hearing is he wants the Matthews deal and everyone's like, well, is he better than Matthews? Is he not better than Matthews? Yeah. He's produced more points than Matthews in the last couple of years, but they still had the same end result and that's losing in the first round of the playoffs. You know, if, mm. if you're trying to, the ultimate goal is to win a Stanley cup, you think at some point the money kind of, you know, exits your mind a little bit to, you know, kind of look at the bigger picture and see, okay, how are we going to do this? Like Pittsburgh did it. So I'm pretty sure Sid took a pay cut to let other guys come in. So they had a better chance of winning. Like where's, where's all that in hockey now? You know what I mean? And I think maybe I'm speaking for the whole league when it's not right now. It's just, it's kind of like, there's what a few players maybe that yeah are, are holding out for their money and they're yeah. just getting dicked around. Right. Like, I don't know. It's just, it is a young kids, young kids game now though. It's not really, you know, crazy crazy vets that have been in the league for 20 30 years it's a it's a teenager's game i guess now so i mean if if this is how it's going to be there's going to be a lot a lot a lot of pushback from people this is every off season it's turning into basketball now i find that way you can't oh, yeah. like and i mean it's a drama show and yeah and think about the the old time hockey thoughts like the the typical like Ugh. old man hockey like that's not gonna fly for for those guys like even don cherry Goes a little extreme, yeah, but there are points that he makes that are completely valid. You can't have guys running, running owner shows. Like it's just, yeah. I personally don't think it's right. It's just that's my opinion. But at the end of the day, these guys do have the talent to be making millions and millions of dollars. And if they feel that the difference between nine million and eleven million is really, at the end of the day, going to make a big difference, then he's going to believe that, and his, obviously his agent believes that too, because that's what they're they're kind of sitting on right now and not budging at all either. So. They're saying his dad might have something to do so with I was all just this too. Say yeah, like I've been hearing all kinds of this dad talk or whatever it is. And he's not the only like type of dad. You've heard that about you know Sid's dad. You've heard that about a couple dads around the NHL world that they can have a, a huge part on their, still a, kids, their agents man. negotiating with teams, and that's like why are you paying an agent if your dad's going to be making the calls? You sure. know what I mean? Fair What's enough. the point of that? Cuz you have the money, maybe that's why he needs the extra mills to pay his agent to dick him around for the off season. At the end of the day, do you think do you honestly think Marner wants to sign for 11 mil 7 years in his hometown where he grew up in Toronto? That's what I mean. Or do you think there's there's a part of just his dad or his agent saying no, we, we want more money? I think the issue at hand for him is like I said earlier, you want to win the cup. And if you're going to sign an eight-year deal, a lot can happen in eight years where you're solidified on that spot. You know what I mean? If you have a no-trade clause or whatever the case may be. But if your team isn't going to make a run for it the next three, four years, then it's, you know what I mean? You're jumping ship. Yeah. It's it's rebuild time. You, you don't try and win it for eight years. And I think from a player standpoint, and obviously I've never come anywhere near doing actual contract negotiations, but it's like, okay, I'm not going to sign here in eight years if I don't see the team winning the cup in the next eight years. Like, sign a five, six-year deal, you know what I mean, with no clauses whatsoever. Yeah. Your team doesn't do it. You start to rebuild. Then you go still in your prime. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because that's another part of it, too. Eight years, yeah. you know, well, he, he'll still probably be under 30, but it's like a lot could happen in that time in today's game. Especially in Toronto where you can make so much more endorsements. I know this gets brought up so much and so much, but – you know who's he with right now? Intact. He could be with Tim's. He's with uh, Apple. True. Millions. That's millions and millions upon millions of dollars. He's with Apple. He's with Apple. Remember him and Matthew shot that commercial with the, the iPhone. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. It very was horrible. It was horrible, but it was great. It's, it sent the message. So yeah. you get it. You remember it. It's just it was very hipster. They just had an iPhone, went around Toronto for the day and, and shot pucks. Yeah. But that's just the power that Matthews and Marner have. They're just that. And they the have that world. celebrity feel and. 
Canada. In Toronto. No, in, in Canada. Yeah, I guess in Canada because, you know, Toronto's like the hub yeah. for sports. It's crazy to think about the – I don't – do you think it's an actual distraction for guys in the room? Because, okay, no, 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 it's not even a hypothetical. It did happen. Training camp started today for the Leafs. Yeah. Matthews has to go in front of the media and talk about his summer. Yep. But I'd say 75% of his media scrum was about Marner. Yeah. Do you Same think that's an actual distraction year. for him? Or do you think he just has to say it's not? Or do you think he actually cares? I don't think it's necessarily a distraction. I just think it's something that they know they have to deal with. And with the Leafs specifically dealing with the Nylander bullshit last year, it's the same thing, right? Same they question. always ask them. They always ask them. It's, I don't think it is a distraction. No. Does it piss them off? And do they want to talk about it? Probably not, right? Like, it's just like, come on. The season's so, just starting, and you're asking me about, you know, because what's he supposed to say? Basically, they're just trying to set him up to say something stupid, right? So who are you mad at then, media, or are you mad at Nylander in that situation? It's like, come on, Nylander, sign, or it's like media, fuck off. it's so both, bad. man. It kind of takes two to tango in that scenario, you know? Yeah. Without Nylander, then the media doesn't have any ammo to work with, right? Yeah. So, I don't know. But Nylander was dog shit, so we're not. We won't go into that, anyways. But well, it's the same man, thing. if Marner ends up signing late, who knows? He could have a shit year too. Same thing. I yes. don't think Marner will have it. Like Marner's a completely different p- player than Nylander, though. You can't you can't compare them. Like I mean, you I can agree. you can't compare not- their skill. But like at the end of the day, Marner's gonna go out there and block a shot with his face and try to block the shot. Doesn't matter what happens. He's a gamer. He's won championships. Like Nylander, yeah, he's he's a good player. He's skilled. He's fast. He's this. He's that. But you don't see the heart and the character and like the same things you do Not with yet, Marner. Anyway. So I would, like, I would feel way more inclined to sign Marner just on his leadership, his work ethic, that kind of stuff, instead of Nylander. I mean, like it showed last year. Like I think he, Nylander's type of guy that, you know, and obviously this is coming from somebody who's not even close in talent, but he's better in my eyes, playing with better players, whereas Marner can kind of be a difference maker on his own at any given time, you know, with the, his shiftiness and the crazy shit that he does in the spins and just, like, how deceiving he is on the ice, whereas Nylander, he, you know, he's he needs a guy with, like, Hyman with him who's going to go in the corner and muck mm-hmm. it up and get the puck out so he can dish it over to Matthews, you know what I mean? They're just completely different players, but I do agree. I would I would be feeling the pressure to sign Marner I've always Nylander. I've always felt that way about the, the pay grade of someone that's complaining that they don't have players to play with. Someone that's making $11 million dollars can't really complain about not having you know a great winger because you're the guy that has the money that has the money you're yeah. the guy that's supposed to make that winger that only makes four million a year look good but it's also up to management to to handle that kind of shit too and get it, you those type of players you it know is I mean? but you got to get there's some something's got to give yeah, like, who was it last year uh in edmonton dry he was complaining that he had no one to play with because he wasn't on mcdavid's line but it's like if it's you're making that 50 goals. if you're making that kind of money <laughs> It's like you got to be that guy that makes your fucking winger better. He yeah, also had 100 guy. points last year. Did he? He had yeah, 105 well, that's what points. I mean. What's and he wrong didn't even with play the power play? Did he? God, yeah, they played power play together, but or, still, yeah, like he played. He, still, he had 100. He was the first ever German to get 100 points in the NHL or something like that. Like, and he had 50 goals and 55 assists. Like, it's not just like 30 goals and 70 assists. It's, and not playing with McDavid and, too. Like, and you that's said. the thing. He didn't play with McDavid all the time because he would be the second line center McDavid would be first line and then obviously when they needed a goal that's when they would jump in and play together they talked about that the other night and in, in a uh, in a media scrum or whatever they were t- the coach was saying how um, now that they have a little bit more depth they're hoping to keep Cassian and uh, McDavid together and then they can have dry sidle and um, yeah, it's gonna come to me I want to can you, you is there any can we look up the power play percentage for Edmonton last year what that was 
Uh, if that yeah. was over 60 70%, I'd like to know where those 100 points came from. See, that's the thing. With the Edmonton scenario, though, too, with having dry saddle, they just weren't that deep, man. You can't just put – it's not a peewee AAA team playing for Atlanta. You can't just put your three studs on – on the one line and hope yeah. for the best, you know what I mean? Because you know they're going to score every shift. They have to have that depth down the middle, especially down the middle in the NHL, man. It's such a crucial fucking position. Well, and they got James Neal this year, too. So that's just adding to their depth anyway. The, last, the, the only year he hasn't gotten a bunch of goals was last year when he was playing in Calgary, and he got screwed over, in my opinion. Yeah. Because he should have been playing on the on the top two lines. But then um, Lindholm came from Carolina, and that's where the coach came from, too. So they had that chemistry. that he That was his guy, so he brought him in and took out Neal's role as one of the top two line guys. So instead of getting the power play in the top two line minutes, he was playing like a third line role when he's not a third line guy at all. You mm. look at James Neal, he puts the puck in the net and mm. it's proven. Look at it. Look at his stats. There's not last year was the only year. I think he had less than 20 goals in the season. So f- Edmonton's power play percentage, 21.2%, no. which was probably top 10 in the league. Though. Yeah. Is that, that's a good it's percentage. Thir- 13th. 13th. Yeah. Well, think about it. Dude, if the you top percentage is 28. Tw- one every five power plays. Twenty-five percent. Yeah, okay. Plays. That's yeah. that's very good, dude. How nasty is it watching? See, but here's the thing: play. where's their penalty kill percentage? Isn't McDavid on the PK? Probably, he should, but he's not all like he doesn't double shift all the time. Ninety-six point eight. I don't know. No, if that's, that's accurate. not right. Must be looking percentage. Oh, it's shorthand. Okay. Anyways, yeah. So yeah, their power play was twenty-one percent last year, mm-hmm. which is like. League average, almost. Yeah. And their 13th. penalty kill. Yeah, like, and their penalty kill is, like, probably, I'd say, lower of the pack. It's 74%. Like, yeah. that's not very good. You want to have your penalty kill up in the 80s. Yeah. So, you look at, like, a, even, like, Toronto. Toronto's power play percentage was, fuck, it says 21.8% here. I don't know if that's accurate. It might be, though, because you, you yeah. they drew a ton of penalties and didn't score on all of them, right? They made a lot of shit happen. Yeah. But you don't always score. Mm-hmm. I love watching the evolution of, like, hockey grow i think the past 10 years it's, it's changed so much with the speed because with with speed comes change you're able to do more i think as more things are happening in a shorter more things of can times. go wrong too exactly right? and end. you know it's interesting when you say build depth i wasn't i wouldn't really consider myself ever a depth guy i'm sure you were I'm sure mm. you were too um what do you think the key thing is to building a, a depth on a hockey team on the third and fourth line? Are you looking for character guys? Or are you looking for guys that mesh well in the room? Because so much can come with a characteristic of a depth guy. Role it doesn't have a role guy. But I think that's one of the hardest things to, to mold because a perfect example is uh, Max Talbot, 100 points, whatever, in the queue from Gatineau mm-hmm. coming and playing and then completely changed his role. But that's such a rare thing. Most guys – can't, can't take that yeah. to the ego. It's like, no, I'm a goal scorer. I'm a well, first line, second line then. guy. But how my question is, if you were a GM or a coach of a team right now that mm. like Edmonton's a perfect example, a team that's looking for depth. Right. How would you go about designing that for your your, your third and fourth line? The complete right now? opposite of what they've had, obviously, because they've been <laughs> absolutely horrible. But do you model it after another team, or you just look at free agency well, and just go? I, this, this is what he's got. done in the past. Well, I mean, you got to look. At, you like, especially with the Oilers, you got to look at. Uh, like their situation right now is they have their top guys that they're keep, that are basically gonna they're gonna ride or die with. Yeah. But the other guys they got to keep piecing them in. Like they found Cassian a couple years ago, realized he was a great fit, so they re-signed him. So then you know you have Cassian in the addition of Darnell Nurse on the back end. You have guys like uh, Drysaddle, McDavid, like those kind of guys. Obviously. And then and then you have younger guys that are coming up through the through the system too that you can see skill. Um, speed like uh, Yakamoto, he's 
he's a younger guy, played in the WHL last year. Yamamoto, yeah, or Yamamoto, yeah. Oh it, yeah, he, and he's he had a couple he, games played. He yeah. played he played a few games last year, scored and stuff, and but he he just wasn't ready for that next step. But like another year between eighteen and nineteen, that's a huge step in in anyone's life. You're just you're maturing, you're especially if you get your feet wet for a little exactly. bit. Exactly, right? and once you have that experience and you have that confidence where you can actually play. So you think building depth, a key of it is, is patience. Yeah, like and wait. and y- y- use your use your system, use your your guys, use your farm clubs, like use the guys that you brought up because you obviously, well, not now, but before they drafted them because they thought that they were gonna they were gonna do the trick. Yeah. But now they got, um, I believe Holland's their GM now. Yeah. And so I mean, yeah, he's gonna Detroit. be. The king of breeding hockey exactly. players. Exactly. So he hockey teams. He has prospects. that. He has that pedigree too in bringing that from Detroit to, like, from his days in Detroit to Edmonton. He he knows what a winning team is. He knows how to develop the guys. Like he brings those seventh round picks to Hall yeah. of Fame careers. Yeah. You know what, what I mean? Yeah. Like it was Datsuk was like a twelfth round pick or something. Yeah. No, it was he. Yeah, him yeah, and Zetterberg yeah. were low as fuck. And they just Holmstrom as well too. I and think. and like here's another thing in today's NHL. This is another way it's changing. Is and I'll go back to your question because I have an answer for it too. But it's now it's uh, see now I lost my train of thought because I went in the middle. Well, answer how do you answer how do you do depth first? All right, um, Billy you said got, patience. Yeah, it, well, patience is it, and also in a guy like Holland scenario, from my point of view, is he got kind of left. You know, he didn't build those pieces. He just jumped into something now. So now he has to work with what is already in place. But I think patience is definitely one, and and knowing what you have as like i don't know i don't want to say your motto but like the vibe in your room like what are they chill are they uptight is it business is it more fun you know what i mean are they more younger guys is it more older guys you know you kind of base it on you know like if i was the gm it would be like okay what does mcdavid Mm. need to have around him you know Mm. what i mean positive guys guys that are willing to adapt at new roles like you said about talbot yeah a lot of guys can't take that hit to the ego right everybody's a star in junior that's how you get drafted yeah so you got to be able to switch. And it's the guys that are willing to do whatever at any time to win, but they don't want to be the, like the front runner for everything. But that do you know ca- what I mean? But that characteristic is a dying breed, man. Absolutely it is. Because, and that's, I think, a little bit to do with the media too, is you're able to just put people and yourself on blast all times and nobody sees the shitty things you do because you don't post them. And people also put the dollar sign too beside each other's name. So if they see a guy that's playing on the second line that's only making $2 million a year and he's scoring 20 goals this season and you're on the third line getting paid $6 million and you're only getting five or six goals in the year, you're you're comparing yourself in number as well. So then at that point, you're going to see your number drop, but then that person's also going to see their number go higher. So then that's another thing. When money comes into it, egos become that much more. And money when just it's changes million, everything. When right? it's a million to, millions of dollars on the table, whose head isn't going to get big at that point when you're 18, 19, 20? Like, at some point, it's it's going to happen You're as much as you don't want, want it to. Like, it's you don't... Sidney Crosby's one in one in a million on the fact that he didn't really bring you never really saw that about him you never yeah, you, yeah. that he was never really brought out yeah but you do see the guys like especially guys from like Russia and like that yeah. kind of stuff like it's it's different all around for everybody too right um what are your guys' <coughs> thoughts on uh Lucic commenting on McDavid's captaincy in Edmonton saying that he was too young and that he's looking forward to having an older captain in Calgary uh, you think that was shot at him, or do you think that was? Uh, well, I think any time that you go to another team and you and you bring a, f- a player's f- actual name into the conversation without it being like a positive remark, then it's definitely a shot. And if anybody argues with that, you're an idiot. Yeah. I think because if I'm doing an interview and you were the captain of my old team and then we're the 
we're rivals now or whatever. Edmonton Calgary rivals. Yeah. So you're like, okay, well, he was too young. Like, why even bring it up? Did somebody ask him? Uh, I think someone did ask him about just playing with Giordano. What's his name? Giordano? Giordano. As a captain. I don't think he said as a captain, but just said as a leader. So like the same thing. Yeah. So, so yeah, I, I definitely think it was a shot. I don't think he thinks he's a shitty player. I just think maybe Lucic has a different leader mindset than McDavid might, right? Like Lucic is a little older. He probably gels better with a guy like Giordano because his style of leadership is, is muck and grind and, you know, probably be the voice. Whereas I'm sure McDavid talks, but what does he lead with? Yeah. His play. Yeah. Right. I don't know. It was definitely a shot. And Lucic has been in some controversy for some shit over his career. So it's like when you play the odds and you roll, you figure, yeah, that's definitely a shot at him for sure. I just hope McDavid fucking twists him in a pretzel or something like that. And it, I don't know. He won't sell you at him, but I'd love to see him just like shove it in his face, you know, just because. Well, you look at, I'm just looking here now at uh, Milan Lucic. He played for Boston for eight years. Who was his captain there? Chara. Older guy. Yeah. He went to LA. Who's the captain? Who Brown. Was the, exactly. Dustin Brown. Older yeah, guys. This is just something he's not used to. So he didn't, and obviously things didn't work out well. So he's obviously just trying to push the blame. Yeah. Those are good who, points. Who can you blame other it's a business. than who, who can you blame other than yourself at that point? He's not taking the responsibility for it. Yeah, he didn't work out as well as he probably wanted to. But honestly, he's going to get the same reaction when he goes to Calgary when he only gets two goals in his first 40 games, <laughs> taking stupid penalties and slow behind the play. Like, it's he's just getting out of his era now. I feel bad. Like, it, I was I was pumped when he was on the Oilers. I love Lucic. I love the way he played, but he's not. He's not Milan Lucic from World Juniors. And you can't just be chuck comments out like that when you're not putting up 30, 40 goals in the show. You know what I mean? Well, the fact that Connor McDavid probably has already made more money now than his entire career. Probably made more money in junior. Well, (laughs) I I mean, it it doesn't look very good. I mean, yeah, you're going to play for a rival team, but that's just bulletin board material. Now it's going on the wall. Now if they play each other eight times a year. Yeah. Those games are intense. When I was living out in Calgary, we went to a couple of them, and they are wild. Like the intensity and like, in the way that Lucic plays, he's just he's hard nosed. They're gonna love him in Calgary. But Calgary had a great year last year. Oh, and and he's gonna fit in well with their team. Fuck. Calgary's gonna be really good. Yeah, I think like, I left my car window open. It's raining. I think no, it's not, not raining. It'll clear. No. Look at out there. It's wet. Yeah, yeah it's the dew from the morning grass. Yeah, two thirty. Well, if you want to, if you want to nah, go closer, it'll just clean the leather. Um, I lo- I want to talk about leadership within a room. A great situation, obviously, right now in Toronto. Everyone's mm-hmm. saying Matthews, uh, Tavares, or O'Reilly. No, Riley. Riley, sorry. <laughs> um, you know, it's a. I don't know. I I I just look back at my days in junior and how a captain or the assistant captains would kind of police the room and there would be drama and things like that. But none of us were millionaires living in amazing cities and, you know, had the freedom to do whatever the hell you want. I couldn't imagine what it's like in an NHL room filled with millions of dollars, living in amazing cities, doing whatever the hell you want, potentially like sleeping with the same women, you know, like just (sighs) seriously, like, you know, shit like that happens in junior. Like I couldn't imagine what it's like, you know, these girls hang around the same room. Shit happens. Drama happens. If you're a Connor McDavid young. captain at 19 years old and you got some guys that are going out on a Saturday night, true, 
and they're doing whatever the hell they want. They're from Russia. You think McDavid, Canadian, Ontario boy is going to be like, hey, guys, listen, uh, yeah. you know, we got to win. Like, you know, it's, it's, it's a thing. Tonight. It's a, it's 100% a thing. I know, like, the, the Toronto media wants to say, you know, Matthews, he's the guy. He's the captain. He's, it looks good. It looks amazing. So who would you choose in Toronto? I, I would choose Riley. You would? Because, like, I do, I, I agree with what you say, how he's been there the longest. I don't think he'd be afraid. If Marlowe was still there, I don't think he, I don't think Riley would have a, a hesitant in his body to go up to Marlowe and be like, hey, listen, yeah. Patrick, you gotta, we gotta settle down here. Some, even though that he would never do that. I'm not saying that, but that's right. just a vet example. Um, I just remember back in my days, man, it, it was, it was an actual thing. And if you name someone captain too young, I think that can, it gets to you. It, it doesn't get to you. I think it can get to the team. And it's pressure, though, too. Like, let's not forget that. When you are given that letter, especially the captain, it comes with some added pressure. Now, all of a sudden, you know, you're 17 or 18 or 19, and you're the captain now. And it's like, you know, this is on me. This whole thing's on me is how you think, right? It's, it's the ability to get out of that mindset and just be the leader instead of trying to force it. You know what I mean? And some guys, that can ruin your – not ruin, but it can take away from your hockey ability. Think about, like, when you – I'll give you a scenario. It's, it's probably happened before. Let's say you are a captain of, um, of Edmonton. You're McDavid. And you got a buddy that uh, on the team that went out a couple nights. He got hammered. He played hungover. All the boys know. But Did he play shitty? Played or, terrible. Okay. Coaches don't know. Management don't know. All the boys are together. They're keeping him. It's in the room. Right. No one else knows. Definitely a rookie. proper way. It, no, but let's say whatever. Let's say it's a guy that's popular on the team. All the boys love him. You know, He's just one of those guys. So no yeah, one's going to say guy. shit to him. But at the end of the day, Mc, McDavid wants to win a cup. Yeah, you go up to him. But... Do you? Does he? Yeah, it's, a, it's you know? all about how you go about it. You don't go up and say, "What the fuck is your problem? You can't be doing." This. They say, "Listen, man, if we're trying to have the same goal here and we're trying to win, you know, I'm gonna we're gonna need every single guy playing their part." You just mentioned it to them, right? Then it's in their head. He'll remember that because you didn't freak out at him, right? If he keeps doing it, then you you, you, you talk lash, to management. No, you lash out. You give you it to him as a captain. If you're trying, and you know hockey, man, we both we are all three of us know. You want to try and keep matters in the room the best you can, right? You don't want anything getting leaked out, especially nowadays. Mm. So if you're going to be able to handle that within the group, then there's, you know, this isn't, it's not fucking junior high hockey. You can't just go tell coach that they're men that Mikey was being an an idiot last night. You know what I mean? It's just like you handle that within it. And if something you see it all the time, if it it doesn't get handled, then they're gone. Yeah. Right. But I guess that maybe your point was, do you see McDavid going up to like maybe an older guy in the room? That's you know he he's done this for a few years now and he can he can go well maybe it happened with Lucic maybe McDavid was like listen dude you gotta stop being such a booze hound I'm, say, I'm just <laughs> and saying start like, producing right it, that's the shit I love you got about, me spinning now yeah it's it, it's one hundred percent a thing and I think that uh, I don't necessarily think it I shouldn't say that but I think that not all of these young captains are are set like Eichel I don't think he's ready to be the captain of Buffalo right now. You know, there's yeah, no way. Nah, like, yeah, just right. hearing some things, the immaturity levels there, I, I just don't you think. You can't expect them to be too mature, though. That's the yeah, thing, right? Like, What's wrong with naming a captain? Who's who's in? Like, What's wrong with naming Skinner a captain right now for a couple of years? He's only signed there for three years you right now. you got to think maybe. of the marketing side, too, I think. Yeah, there's but that's the thing. That's a... just the thing. It's I the know. marketing side. you got to make it sell. If yeah. Eichel's the captain, you know, first His overall gonna guy, sell. jersey's going to sell. Right? Everyone's going to come to the game. It's 100% a thing. Yeah, that's And that's one thing I love about this business is you you get to look at hockey outside of hockey. You know, you, you hear these stories. You get to hear some cool things. You, well, you, we don't get the inside stuff now in the room and stuff like that, right? So it's yeah. we get a whole different view that we never really 
got to, I guess, enjoy because you were so caught up in actually playing and practicing and shit, right? But that's a great thing that we have is that mindset of being in the room so we can relate. Yeah. If, if I see something, you know, on the ice, like whenever I remember when McKinnon and the coach were going at it last year. Remember that on the bench in public? Oh, yeah. And he was, just, you know, he's pissed. Coach was yelling at him. All three of us sitting here right now know exactly what happened after that in the dressing room. Coach called him in. He said, let's talk like men. Yeah, yeah, You exactly. know exactly what happened. Both both tempers flared. Heat of the moment. Shit happens all the time, right? So who's your, who would you pick for the Leafs for, for the captain if you had to? The captain, no. Oh, Morgan Riley, for sure. Okay, he, so we're like, on the same page. I mean, it just, I honestly don't understand why... Yeah, I get Matthews, your guy, and this and that. I certainly get that choice. I get it, I get it, I get it. They're all just trying to follow this trend. Sidney Crosby, Connor McDavid, Jack Eichel. You need your first overall pick, lead your team, yada, yada, yada. No, it's not the guy that leads your team. That's the guy. Like, just look at his playoff performance the last couple of years. That's peewee shit, man. Look at Morgan Riley's playoff performance the last couple of years. I, I average... I would love to see his average ice time in the playoffs. And it's not easy minutes in playoffs, first of all. Second of all, he's usually playing against uh, Patrice Bergeron, Pasternak, and Marshawn. So, because they always lose to Boston in the first round. So, right? time on ice? Yeah. I'll see if I can get it here. I don't know if I can get time Babcock, on ice. Babcock, trust oh, him. Okay, so here, I'll give you his time on ice uh, in the first round of playoffs last year against Boston. Game one. 26.55 seconds. Game two, 20, I'll just give you the minutes. 26 yeah. minutes. Uh, game two, 25 minutes. Game three, 21 minutes. Game four, 24 minutes. Game six. Exactly. All, they're up. They're up there. You get it. So, I mean, at the end of the day, he's playing over a period of game in playoffs, which is crazy. Yeah. So, I mean, he's your guy. He's Full your period. go-to guy. He's been there since the start of this whole rebuild. I mean, he's experienced the most. Why not give it to him? That's or crazy. if not, give it to Tavares. I I don't believe Matthews should. Tavares have. already ran a ran a, a team as a captain as a young guy. He's one of the guys that actually I didn't win cups or anything like that. But I I think for the most part he succeeded as a captain. He's still you know? played in the Olympics. He he still has the the winning pedigree. Mm. He's won every, he's won pretty much that's everything true. other than the Stanley Cup right now. So that's his one goal. So I mean that wouldn't be a bad option either. But I if they give it to Matthews, it'll be an absolute. See this this that question it, is so loaded because it it differs from group to group like we're all players we play the game you want i'm with you guys with riley that guy's been there for the ups and downs the bumps and bruises the rebuilds the hopes the getting you know stomped against boston that the very first year that kind of shit he does everything he hits he blocks shots he doesn't complain you never see anything negative in the media he's always doing good shit that's your guy he's been there for what maybe 10 years almost probably riley? already yeah at least wow. so really? yeah so like you know Give that guy the C, but yeah, I don't know. I was going to ask you guys, who do you think had the most total ice time in the league last year? Um, the guy from uh, the Islanders there. No. It's always It'd defenseman. be a defenseman, and it would, I would either say Chara. Drew Doughty. Drew Doughty's number two. Or uh, Oliver ekman Larson. No, he's not there. Number wait. one is, is... Wait, let me guess. Okay. Uh, if you get one of them right, I won't be the show to you later. No, San Jose, Brent Burns. No, Ryan Suter, twenty six. He averaged almost twenty three, twenty seven minutes a game. 
Same with Dowdy. And then it, top three are Suter, Dowdy, Latang, and then Jones and Yossi. Latang, eh? And you remember how you said, someone said last night that Provorov signed and we were all like, who gives a fuck? Yeah. You know what I mean? He was number six and ice time. So yeah. there you go. But he was also a fucking dash 16. So. Yeah. <laughs> um, Minus 34, Drew Dowdy. Oh, man. He's, the LA was dog shit, though, like last year. So. Yeah, who cares? He's still living in LA. I'm sure he still he loves put the his puck life. In the net. Um, isn't it interesting how most captains of, are the captain of Toronto usually get run out of town? Other than Sundin, I think, was the last one that just kind of went to Vancouver. I find the more recent ones for sure. I don't know, but obviously we don't know. Okay, Bobak well, that's what I mean then. Recent. Like, yeah. like, FNUF ran out of town. Yeah. want to be here. Well, because he was supposed to be the big leader, big dog, and he was, you know, he was all right. He wasn't, you know, he had some good games, but he wasn't what he was supposed to be. That's for sure. But that, yeah, if if Riley does become the captain of Toronto, it's not like you can blame him on his performance. Yeah. Like, like he's what, not the performance guy. What an guy. asshole, hey, for taking yeah. the C from Matthews. See, but that, but that's, what I, that's what I was going to say. It's such a loaded thing. If you ask a fan who just goes to the games because they just like hockey, they never, ever played, Matthews. who do you think? Yeah, that's why I said. It's peewee shit. Yeah. Your top scorer is your captain or the coach's son. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, no offense to you, but like Leaf fans, there's it's such a, it's a you guys have such a broad fan base. Yeah, there's a lot of Pee Wee fans in the Toronto yeah, Leaf, yeah, Leaf sure. fan base because they you don't can't really expect know. everybody to go through the hockey system and be a fan like that, right? I get that, but it's you know I think that we might have the upper hand in the way we think because we've got to play both parts. Yeah, you know what I mean. That's fair. Um, training camp. Mm. I love fucking training camp stories, man. There's some funny ones. Boys forgetting their shoes. Camp. Taping black around the the sneakers to make them look like dress shoes. That's we got. There's tons of stories. You got a you got any funny ones coming out of Bridgewater or there's I don't wear Bay Ducks. Shit. I don't know Bay Ducks. Uh, East Hands. Well, I wasn't anything? there for East Hands training camp. I wasn't signed yet. So, but I don't know. I think yeah. In Bridgewater, we had a training camp out here, and you know you you picture regular training camp. The boys are at billets or whatever. Yeah. You're at a hotel or whatever the case may be, and you got your structure and you got. You get up and you eat your breakfast and all that shit. No, <laughs> not with the Lumbies that year, buddy. We stayed, I think there was like six or seven of us that stayed at Getsy's Cottage. And uh, that's out That's out here, actually. So, which was sick. I mean, if you think about it, you're like, whoa, like it's summer. Yeah. He's on a lake. There's a sea dew and shit like that. And I mean, I can't speak for everybody else, but I ended up just getting hammered all week. But I don't really remember everybody else. But I mean, I, you know, you're at a cottage. Well, what do you normally do at a cottage? It's the coach's fault for, beer. for putting us in that scenario, right? So anyway, I, I ended up getting injured. I think it was Pompey from you guys' team crushed me, and I just separated my shoulder. So it was just basically a party for me that week. And I think everybody else that was there, I won't, I won't, I don't even remember really who was there, but you can probably envision what happened. And then there was no supervision. Like I think his parents stopped by, like. Every now and again, make sure the food was stocked. Like, you know what I mean? You signed out the sea do in the morning, and each guy got to go take it. You got a sea do? There's a sea do out there. And and a couple other things that you could do. And they had like a slide and, you know, washers and all that shit. I think they had a slushy machine or a popcorn machine or some shit. It was just like, this isn't training camp, right? So you can imagine the boys weren't too, uh, feeling too good for that kind of off ice and shit like that. You you got a good one, Bill? Um, I mean,. My my twenty year old year in Yarmouth, we uh, there was this new uh, new billet family. I guess uh, they had a big big old style Victorian house in Yarmouth. It had, I think, it, I think it had six or seven bedrooms. I can't and, believe you know the style of home. And there was 
I think there at one point there was ten of us living there during training Holy camp with shit. these two with like the two parents. We called it the orphanage because it literally looked like an orphanage. <laughs> the boys were like riding their bikes to training camp. We were only like a couple. We were only a couple clicks down the road from the rink, so we grab bike. our bikes, throw uh, throw our hockey helmets on, and drive down the That's road amazing. to uh, to training camp. And we so were there. Certified. We were there like early or like the middle of August to run hockey camps for the for the owner and for the kids of the town. So we I love that so, little extra cash in your pocket. Oh, well, it was perfect for the start of the start of the season. Like I mean, we got a couple hundred bucks. So and you get to connect with the kids and, and we, get them out to their games. And that was the thing. Like we were we were getting invited by the parents to go to their place to, for barbecues, going out on the boat, like Hype. all this kind of stuff. Like this small small like small town junior junior hockey lived the full uh, full experience. But no, we had this we had this house called the orphanage, and I remember waking up in the morning, going downstairs, and the village, uh, Jody and Steve, they had, like, five pounds of bacon cooked, like, whole bunch of sausages, like, a mountain oh, of scrambled eggs, French your dream toast, belly. like, tons, tons and tons of food. Just hockey food. And then, yeah. and, then uh, and then, like, we were getting ready, like, we were all sitting down, there was a huge table, it literally looked like a communal table, and we were all just eating dinner, or we were all eating breakfast, and she was like, well, invite, invite the rest of the boys over, there's still a bunch left, so, like, all the time, they would have, we would have, like, team meals there, and just go over spaghetti, breakfast, whatever, like, it was, it was awesome, that was, but, like, that was the first week of this new billet family so everyone wanted to move in there as soon as they as soon as they moved to town and then that obviously turned into to where the boys would go after the games on saturdays the billet stuff i always wish i did yeah my billet was mark phillips showed up to him oh boy mark yeah uh, i remember i made the halifax mcdonald's on a play uh me hitting dudes we were well you take out the big doggy you know our because the first two years i didn't make it unfortunately Fox sakes. And uh, and then the, this the third year midget. I don't know. Something just happened. Just something just clicked in my puberty, I guess. <laughs> and I had a great training camp, but like I wasn't hitting as much as I should have been. And Kirk said that when you're six feet in midget. Yeah. And he's like, fuck. Like you know, if you want to play on this team, just fucking hit. And then <laughs> I was like, all right, man, sounds good. So for one game, which was like a red versus white exhibition game, I didn't even look at the puck. <laughs> I just fucking hit the whole game. Yeah, you so ran around at me all There was game. a play where dudes just had the puck in the corner, and Kirk was standing like in the tassel rink. There's stairs on the top left in, yeah. in one of them. And Kirk's up there just big leaguing with his uh, clipboard. And I hear him yell because he's so high up. He's, he's like where the mesh is. He's not where the glass. So he can yell at you. And he, he was loud, dude. He so, was loud. So I'm forechecking. And dude has the puck like I'm not really in the corner, but on the half wall trying to chip it out. That doesn't sound like me. And then he just goes <laughs> almost like he's in the movie Sparta. He just goes like, hit him. Like as loud as he could. And like I, for a second, I hear him and I look up at him. And then I look right back at dudes. I'm like, all right, this is what I got to do. And this is in the first period. So I just go, you know, nail him. Like, fuck. I don't even like you were good. You were pressed against the boards though, so like I bounced back, but oh, like it, it made a loud sound. And now this was in the first period, so as soon as I lay that hit, I go in the room and uh, the ice is being done. And Kirk goes, uh, "Belly, I want to talk to you for a sec." And I'm like, "Fuck, I did something wrong. Like, yeah, what did hit, I do?" He hit the best player. Yeah, and he just he look he looks at me and he goes, uh, "So you want to play here or what?" <laughs> I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, sure. Like I'll play." Like he goes, "All right, like, sounds yeah. good. I'll see you later." I'm like, "All right, man, thanks." That just reminded me of a hilarious Jimbo story from training camp. When I was <laughs> in yes. Do it, do Woo! it, do it. So, um, Love Jimbo my stories. my 20 year old year that that same year we lived in the orphanage. There we. Uh, we had Jimbo come down and coach us down in Yarmouth. It was a it was a great time. <laughs> learned from a, from a local legend like him himself. Um, so we were 
we were getting ready for training camp. Lineups were posted on the on the dressing room door, and we were all getting ready to go to. Um, it was like the billet meet and greet, where all the new kids were training camp. They come in, they meet their billets, and the they new go. Kids. They oh. go home. We have like a barbecue with all the with all the like billet families and players and ownership and all that kind of stuff. So everyone's everyone's mingling around. It's like and, a junior high dance. Like yeah, it's, it's a lot of <laughs> it's it, it, it's really it's kind of awkward, at, but at the same time too, everyone's got to go through it's it. So, happen, like I remember, yeah. I remember being the the one guy standing off on the corner like standing off by himself and then getting the getting the call over from the vets like come over tell your story like give us uh give us a rundown but no we were we were getting ready to leave from the rink to go to this barbecue and this one kid comes like sprinting down the hallway obviously a little bit late and uh <laughs> and <laughs> His name's Alcini Bangora. He uh, he put, he he's from Montreal. He doesn't he didn't really know much English at the time, and he was an incredible guy. He he requested oh, number seventy six. PK Subban's his favorite player. He's, uh, he's oh my god. The fact that you remember his name already makes it. I know he's going to be memorable. Well, no, wait a second. This is a Jimbo story. Yeah. Oh so my this god. kid. So this, this kid comes amazing. running yes. down the hall, and Jimbo opens up the door, and and Alcini like, and it was funny because. Jimbo didn't know his name. He played on our team for like a month afterwards. So the, the team up. was just calling him, or so Jimbo was just calling him PK because he didn't know. <laughs> it was the worst thing. He was like, "Where's, uh, where's uh, uh, a PK?" You know, and I was just and like the everyone 20, in the room's like all the twenties just kind of stopped and looked at each other, and we were just like, "Oh my god, what like what's going on Wait, right was now?" He black? Yeah. Oh fuck. no, and he's a defenseman, like really skilled, speedy, like it, like that, like his, it, like if you looked at him on the ice. He he mimicked his game after him, and he was he was a really good player. He's still playing some college hockey Jimbo now, was like up he's to date on yeah. and he's and he's really good. So anyway, <laughs> obviously we called him PK. So PK comes running down the hallway, and Jimbo's shutting the door and locking the door, and he goes, uh, "Excuse me, uh, is the is the coach is the coach here?" He goes, "I need to I need my bag and all this kind of stuff." And Jimbo looks at him, and he goes, "I am the coach. I'm Jimbo." Or like Jim Bottomley, and he goes. Oh shit! Uh, sorry, uh, I'm Elson, and like had to like introduce himself. But like that was his first interaction with the coach that he's coming to try out for. He's like, is the coach around looking at Jimbo? Obviously, an older gentleman. He didn't think that he was the coach. Oh I was. God. So then we got to the so we got to the barbecue, and Jimbo told us the story. He was like, you you won't get a, like he's like you won't believe what just happened. To he me. told the story. Yeah, he told it to us because he was like he was like make sure that he feels okay. Like it's not too bad. Obviously. Oh, okay. Well, because we were the we were the leaders and like uh, we brought yeah. him we brought him in and he ended up playing and i think three years in the junior a league here oh, yeah i know yeah, he, was, he was a good player too but it was funny his first interaction thought jimbo was our trainer or something jimbo yeah. used to do that all the time man he would he couldn't remember your name so he would just like uh, he used to call me the most obscene things anything to do with being short and like looking mexican or something like that he would just like because he, he would go where the fuck is stop ah, Fucking Jorge, where's he at? Jesus Christ! Like he, he just—the first thing he could think of of your description is what he called you, man. Like some of the shit he would call like Crawley and Wig and stuff like that. Like maybe not so much Wig because those guys were actually good, but or like Warns and yeah. shit like that. Where the fucking Doughhead, Warns, Jesus Christ, he freak out, man. He was the best, man. But I'm glad he—the uh, second part of that you said that to to make the guy feel more welcome because of what just happened to him. That's kind of. The stuff about Jimbo that nobody really tells, um, right? At least Jimbo he, is such a team. He was such a players coach. I love. Was he? Oh, he was. But, but that was the thing. If you he, were the big dog. He had his players. Like I'm sure if I was 17 and riding pine and getting yelled at, yeah, getting called pencil neck and stuff, like I probably, <laughs> like he probably called refs. Pen, like Tomato if he had paste. a tally for every time he called a ref a pencil neck, 
He'd be a millionaire. Like he, it would be a great segment. Oh, <laughs> dude! When I remember playing against Jimbo when he was coaching Amherst, and there was uh, before the game, before the puck dropped, we sang "Oh Canada," and then there was a raffle draw for someone to win a washer and dryer. And for some reason, they rolled the washer and dryer out into the middle of the ice. <laughs> like you didn't know what it looked like. Yeah. Was like, <laughs> oh, that's what it is. Like, so we're sitting. We're all sitting there on the bench. Like, the Amber Amherst is on their bench. We're on our bench. And then Jimbo goes out into the middle of the ice and like draws the raffle ticket. And then they try to roll the the shit back and it breaks. Like they try to roll it off the ice, so they gotta find the dolly it, breaks. The dolly breaks, so they gotta find like a new dolly and bring it back. Anyways, but that game, the warm up. This is the only interaction I've ever had with Jimbo. I was just stretching, like in the ice. Like I'm, I'm not by the red line, but like I'm in the middle of the blue line, red line, just stretching, getting the thighs loose. And then I just see Jimbo on the bench yelling at me. He goes. Balaj, hey, we're coming for you. Oh, you were shitting bricks. We're coming for you. 100%. No room on the ice tonight. Like, yeah, no shit. It's Amber. <laughs> I'm just like, I, yeah, I knew I knew this, man. And that was the only time I ever. Uh, Lucky you, bud. I didn't even say anything to him. It was yeah. there, man. I'm ta- the, the thing about him, though, is like, yeah, of all the shitty things that I always talk about, like, I probably had the most fun because he was, he's, he's a player's coach, man. He lets you do shit, you know? He would entice you with, like, if you guys, you know, win a three and three or you do this, like I'll give you all oh, yeah. some money to go hit the bars or whatever. And he'd get the bus to take you right there or something like that. He rented but. out the bar in Yarmouth one night after a practice on like a Tuesday night or something. We had a practice. He goes, yeah, we're meeting at uh, we're going to meet in the red night back room. He goes, yeah, we're going to have uh, have some appetizers, little team builder. And we go in the back room. There was like two kegs like that. We had like free reign too. And then we oh, had yeah. like some appetizers. We were playing pool and ping pong and all that kind of stuff. And then actually he ended up Jimbo actually ended up playing one of our like uh quebec imports like one of the guys that came from quebec he played him in a pool match to see uh and so the kid on our team he ended up winning uh getting to drive jimbo's big yarmouth mariners suv around town for a week because he beat jimbo and yeah that was the bet whoever won the pool match like if uh if the kid won then he'd drive jimbo's suv if jimbo won he would take the kid's paycheck next week and the kid was making like pretty good money (laughs) and he was probably just pool shark yeah And, and the boys were like, Jimbo was shooting his last shot, and everyone was around him going, Jimbo, Jimbo. And this was at like probably like nine or ten at night, like on a <laughs> Tuesday. <laughs> the boys were pretty up, pretty good up. It was a good time. See, that seems like the best part about being in a billet family or living away. That's what I mean. It's just that team bonding stuff. Like, yeah. dude, playing no in Halifax, choice. everyone, you know, had their own social thing going yeah. on. And as weird as it was for the, you know, the initial thing where you, the rookies come in or the new guys come in or whatever, and they tell their story and you meet and greet and all this shit. Yeah. If it wasn't for that moment, you guys are you guys only know each other now in the town. Other like if you've been there for five years, like you were or whatever, then you you meet people in the town. But up in early in the season, the boys are the only people you know. Well, yeah. that's the so thing. That's who you hang out with, right? That's why playing in in towns like well, we lived in Halifax, played in Bridgewater, so yeah. we still hung out, but we weren't forced to. Mm. You know what I mean? You were like, fuck, what well, what do we do? Like, like I moved into a brand new town with twenty best buddies awesome. every year because like you're around those guys all the time. Doesn't matter if you're best buddies with them or not. You're still getting along. You're still yeah. boys. You're still brothers on the ice. Like, mm-hmm. and you spend too much time together to not really grow a liking to a couple of the other guys. But like, you, at the end of the day, you're still in such a small area that you have to become one. You have to figure out the balance between everything, between um, hanging out with guys, drinking, going to school, whatever, practice, working out, whatever it may be. But you, at the end of the day, <laughs> you just send out a text in the group message. Like, I remember we had a BlackBerry Messenger group with 20 guys in it, Swag which was an absolute... <laughs> 
ding, which ding, would probably ding, not ding, be uh, would not be safe for anything now. But I mean, back then it wasn't. You just send out a message. Hey, boys want to go shoot pucks. Boys want to go to the gym. Boys want to go to Boston Pizza. Boys want to go to the Red Knight. Whatever. Like, and that's the thing. You would guaranteed have two or three guys that either want to go to the gym or go grab, catch a movie, whatever it is. Like, you just have the that group of friends. Doesn't matter where you go. So, say if you got traded, you still you go to another team. You still gotta yeah guarantee yeah, a yeah, group yeah. of buddies because it's pretty hard to not find a guy that you're gonna become really good buddies with on a hockey team. Yeah, hundred percent. There's mm. unless you're like a shit you. guy, and I I mean I they're usually shipped that. out, but they're usually shipped out. There's no always one, one or two Packer heads too. You know, it was always interesting whenever a guy got traded to your team from like <laughs> Ontario or Quebec or just somewhere Ontario. not from around here. No one knows him, Fucking and you just kind of gotta feel him out. Yeah. I remember a story. I'm not gonna say his name, but he got traded to the Lions. And, you know, he's, he goes to Breaker, one of the best trainers from around here in the Maritimes. And he's like, you know, Breaker, I need my, my skate sharp in two-thirds on a right skate, one four ones on the left skate. I need my sticks in the stall when I get here in the morning. And uh, a couple power bars in there as well. Like, just demanding shit, first day. And I'm behind this guy as he's saying it all to, to Breaker. And Breaker's just like You're barely getting laces. Like and then as soon as he turns around, Breaker just fucking rolls his eyes. Like, all right, buddy, whatever the fuck you want, sure. <laughs> yeah, have fun going to buy your power bars. <laughs> He comes in the next day, nothing's done, his skates are dull. When this guy, he was, he was gone. He was there for like two months, and he was gone after that. It's such a respecting. It is across hockey, but especially what? here in the Maritimes. you got to respect like the trainers. you got to respect. Buddy, if it wasn't for them, you wouldn't yeah. have shit. Think about all the times you watch trainee run run down into the room or something yeah. to grab someone's stick or like i remember a huge vet move i was seven, eighteen on the lions and uh Vericker was a 20 year old on the lions and this is one of the earliest things or the earliest lessons i ever learned from him we were coming off a, a road trip it was like two in the morning we stopped at a gas station and breaker was at the front of the bus that's where they sit and i was right behind Vericker so as we're walking off yeah and Vericker just goes, hey, Breaker, do you like, can I get you anything? Do you want something? Yeah. And that I, that clicked. I was like, oh, okay. See, that's what a, that's a factor. leader, right? That's, yeah. That's leadership in plain sight, just yeah. right there, you know? So that was one of, like, the earlier memories I have. You know, you respect the guys that take care of your gear. Respect the guys that are trying to help you out. Yeah, you going to fuck with the guy that sharpens your skates? Fuck no. Probably not. not and the there was, that, skate. that was a time. Like, there were times where you needed your skate sharpened in the second period, yeah. third period. And that's not a normal thing in junior A. In the queue, it is. But Breaker would say yes to some guys and no, no to other guys. Yeah, because he remembers who was an asshole and who wasn't. Exactly. You gotta be I never nice got to the guy sharpened. who sharpens your skates and the guy who gives out the sticks. That's one thing. He yeah, didn't gotta... you just hang out with the guy in Cape Breton all the time? Well, you were no, saying they, that. They, well, the equipment manager in Cape Breton when I was there, Rich, he got fired like literally a month left in the season. He sent me a text. He was like, "Man, come down and grab." He was like, "Just," he was like, "I got a couple extra things kicking around. Come grab them." And then a couple <laughs> sticks, like a pair of pants, some gloves, that kind of stuff. Shit, but, like, just hanging around. Like, that's the thing. I mean, like some of the. I mean, some of the French guys, they were absolute dicks to him. And I, like, just obviously growing up maritime yes. guy, you're not, you treat everyone with respect. You like, try those to guys, anyways. Those guys thought that, he, that like, he was, like, a peasant to, compared to them. And it was funny because the French guys, when they showed up, there was a few French guys that showed up at the deadline, and they didn't know that our trainer spoke French, and they were speaking oh, French, like, kind of nice, chirping up. And, and so then I think that's kind of when everything went downhill with him. But, I mean, at the end of the day, I think he started working with, another like he started working in like the ahl or the east coast or something so like it wasn't a problem for him to get a job but he was like i don't need these 16 17 year old punks coming in disrespecting yeah thinking that they're the shit and honestly they weren't at all so it was so he was just fed up with them and like but i mean still those are those are the kind of guys you don't want in an organization guys that are ripping on like you want the people that are offering to get get them a 
drink or a bag of chips going off the bus, like that kind of stuff. You don't want the kid that's, that's tripping him basically to his face, but not to his face because he doesn't think he speaks the language, but then he does. And it's like, well, yeah, uh-huh, fuck, got you. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's, that's just being. What do you think you're you're gonna get all the good sticks? Your skates are gonna come in? No, not a chance. No, they, they oh. might be a couple weeks. Late, well, that's actually. the thing. And buddy, <laughs> yeah, they might be a couple weeks. Yeah, sorry yeah. about that. I don't know. Like, They're just was, in the back room. Yeah, like, that was up. the yeah. same thing. Like when I when I got called up, I didn't get like they ordered me skates at the start of the year, but I went down, so I never got them. And then I got called back up, and I was only there for a month or two. And then after the Christmas deadline, that's when they decided to give me the skates because I was staying for the rest of the year, and they. They didn't want me using like Merry Christmas. my other one. So I was, I was pumped because at the, so when I got back after Christmas, I had brand new skates, first brand new pair of skates that I've had in years. So I was so fired up. And then, yeah, and then, right, I, yeah. and then after that, I was so appreciative that I would go in and sit in his office and shoot the shit and talk about the NHL or talk about the NBA or whatever's going on in, in Sydney that night. Cause I mean, for me, that was one of the greatest gifts that I ever got. It was Pair of skates. Brand, new skates. brand new skates. I've never had that before. Growing like up was, in Dartmouth. I wore them until February last year, and that was seven years ago. And let's be real, he should not have been wearing them until <laughs> February of last year. Fucking taped together. Yeah. It's funny how when you're a kid, all you care about is nice sticks. Like, you know, when you used to go to the junior games, you're like, can I have your stick? Can I have your stick? You guys did that shit? Yes. Johnny told me to stop being a nag. Oh, dude. <laughs> and then... It's funny when you're in junior, the same thing still happens. You still want the sticks. You still want the gear. Yeah, well, but if you were getting them, you it wouldn't be an issue, right? Yeah, that's I well sure, but we all we all know the horror stories of guys playing junior hockey and they don't get the gear. They don't get yeah, the perks. When I played in Bridgewater, dude, no, prime it, example. It, it's tons of guys went through that. I went through it. Yeah, I didn't get oh, fucking. Was, I'm not saying, but like the big dogs got their sticks, right? But I'm saying, yeah, but they had to ask. They had to almost like give a reason why. Like, listen, you know, my so sticks, any it's, kids, it's if cracking. you're listening and we don't give you a stick, it's because we actually just yeah. don't have any more. Yeah. Um, maybe we should touch on uh, why we're actually here and what, yeah. our, and what our plan is. So anyone who doesn't know that this is going on, it's the women's Olympic team, I guess. Uh, would, would it be? The women's national team, The, the hopefuls. I guess. Like, it's not the full team. So it's a training camp here in Liverpool. It's called the BFL National Women's Team Fall Festival. And it's basically, in my in my point of view, it's a great way to grow the game, women's hockey for sure, and the MHL because the they'll be they face off against each other for I think who they play tonight, Picto, 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 yeah, so shout out to Dance and um, Nosy, the train, uh, but yeah, so we figured we're gonna come down and and help grow the game a little bit. Hockey's uh, is worldwide, so. We, uh, we, who we, yeah, we're going tonight. What time's the game? Seven o'clock? seven. So I figured we could get down there for, uh, for six. Talk to some people. That, that, that's another great thing. I always say it, but I'm going to continue to say it. The hockey community is so small. When we go down there, we're probably going to know 15 people, Minimum. including, including the head media guy for Hockey Canada. We met Spencer at the Telus Cup. Great and guy. it's just like, you know, as soon as I find out that this is a Hockey Canada event, I don't even hesitate. I'll just email Spencer and bada boom, bada bing, we're in. It's crazy the the connections that we've made over just this past year. We met the head media guy for the CHL at the Mem Cup, and it's like we got his email, we got his phone number. It's just such a small world, and as soon as you get going, as soon as you start, it's a little bit of a... I guess how are you gonna fit in here? But it's yeah. the, this past year, the, the the amount of comfortability is that what makes sense? Like yeah, how comfortable a, I am walking into these situations, into a media booth, into a a microphone setting where I got to interview people that anybody. are representing Hockey Canada. It's just, it, it's 
It gets easier. It's like riding a bike. There's uh, there's a few Nova Scotians. There's three this, this year. Three, so Jill Sonier would be Blair. Blair Turnbull. Turnbull. And then what's the, the other one? And girl? then Allie, Allie Monroe. She's it. from uh, Yarmouth. I actually went to uh, high school in Yarmouth with uh, with her older brother. So she but probably finished before you, though, didn't she? Uh, she finished after me. She went to Syracuse University, I believe. <coughs> really? Yeah. Oh, is this the third Nova Scotian? Yeah, what's uh, her name? Allie Monroe. Allie Monroe. So shout yeah. out to her. Yeah, I want to make... That's uh, awesome. I mean, that's, it's great to see it because I know... I mean, I can only assume that that like Jill and Blair are two role models that she mm. had growing mm. up in in Nova Scotia as a female playing hockey because I mean they've been they've been on the scene for a while now it's not like they've just uh, broke out re- recently I mean they've been been a part of the team Canada um, program for for years now so it's great to see another girl get in the mix and just keep uh, keep hockey Nova Scotia Alive. pumping out the yeah. pumping out the players also shout out to uh, Troy Ryan as well the assistant coach over there on the women's national team probably the there's like there's probably like two coaches in my life that really stuck with me the lessons that I that I was pushed you to be better you know yeah pushed me to be better and Troy was definitely one of those people his uh his IQ when it comes to hockey is I don't even want to say through the roof it's just like it's just different like he's an innovative coach like he he's able to he's almost like a like a football coach he's able to read a situation and adapt and adapt during the game not during an intermission and he's able to communicate with his players in a way that i've never seen before mm-hmm. he's just uh you know he, he's just a great coach and everything that he's getting right now he deserves and that i you'll hear you'll hear other people talk about him the same way he's just well yeah he's man he's, he's proven that's what i was just gonna say he's literally yeah. literally proved <clears throat> his way and worked his way up but another thing too is canada's always you know either one or two in the women's hockey world right now so it's a good time for everybody to get out and and see the top players and for for females yeah because what what i don't know i can't remember the wins and losses but i know that them in the u.s are always the top dog i know finland's starting to make a little noise now too but i'm excited for the game tonight i'm excited to see nosy scream his face off (laughs) all night and behind the bench for absolutely no reason but um (laughs) it should be fun it's yeah, I th- it was it is it just the regular teams or is it all star teams from the MHL? Because I guess no, the season would have just started. Yeah, yeah, they had their opening game yesterday. Makes so. sense. Okay. It's also cool. kind of like a uh, a little tune up for the the women's world championships that are going to be happening here uh, next year as well too. What month is that? Tells you right here. April, March thirty first, <laughs> April tenth in Halifax and Truro. And that's soon. Yeah. So I mean, th- this is basically like a development <laughs> camp for them or like a. A pre-tournament camp for them, so it's going to be these girls are fighting for jobs. It's going to be good hockey, and I mean, they obviously we still see it um, oh, see at the now. Olympics all the time. They, when the, they have the skill, the speed, and it's going to be it's going to be good fun. There's tons of s- speed, man. It's fast. Well, well, when I was talking to coach yesterday, or coach the the coach over in Valley, I was texting him after the game. I was like, "How was the game?" And he was just like, "Man, their conditioning is just." 10 times better than ours they're just so quick like even though they won the game they said after their team was just exhausted because they were relentless on the puck like there's no two seconds where you get to take a look and make a pass it's like no someone's on you like within that second and there there is something to be said about that conditioning comparing to training for the olympics compared to training for the maritime hockey league you know, or not train or not train that's you know that's where i was headed but that yeah or not training exactly or the lack thereof so what, there's yeah. a thing here, and this will probably this is probably a little added incentive for a, a camp like this. It's Canada will seek its first world championship gold medal since 2012, and first on home ice since 2007 in Winnipeg and Selkirk, Manitoba. Wow. So 2012. Uh, so I think they would obviously know that, which is good. And now that I know that, I, I'm probably going to pay a little more attention too. Definitely. Yeah. I hope most of the games are in Halifax that Canada plays. In. Well, we're right in the middle either way, buddy. 
Is it, did they announce a rink yet? It must yeah, be Scotiabank. Scotiabank and then the uh, Rath Eastlink Community Center or whatever it yeah. is. Oh, Churro, Churro, the new one, one there. Yeah. I still haven't been in that. Have you uh, been in that? Sick. Yeah, I played in it. It's actually really nice. Is yeah, it? It looks nice. great off the highway. Yeah. That's the new thing, right? The com- the multi complexes. Yeah, fitness. I feel like after we finished playing Junior A, my I think oh, my yeah. stay was a little bit shorter than yours, but everybody got a new rink. Churro. I played in all the old rinks and all the new rinks. That's cool. Yeah, like Shit. the way that my because Picto got a new rink. Um, Churro got a new rink. Bridgewater got a new rink. The LCLC. Yeah. One thing I, I hate, sat in all the old rinks. One thing I love right now about Junior is uh, the visors they get to wear. It's not the bubble. They have the, the they have gap to on the top that the, the the steam can go up, so your bubble won't fog. I hated the bubble. Uh, I hate hated visors, the bubble. Period. How about uh, cages in Junior B and Junior C? Oh, I forgot Mandatory. about that. That is ridiculous. So now you're just gonna let kids take their cages off and. <laughs> Yeah, so there's no fighting, right? And here's the thing for me, and I only touch there's no on fighting. A, I know, but it's still gonna happen. It's hockey. The thing for me is, yeah, there's head injuries, but that's not like the immediate injuries are always shoulders, knees, ankles, the ribs, shit like that. It's never like there's not face injuries all the time that keep people out of games. Yeah. Like you don't get a gash from a skate or something like that in your face and you miss three months, Yeah, you stitch it up, and you know for the most part you probably wouldn't, but everybody else would keep playing. You, you know what I mean? So it's like why. <clears throat> I just don't get it. it. Is it to stop the fighting? It's like for, eh. every. I think that every person in the world should be in a fight at least once. You learn. You, you'll learn to shut up when you get punched. Yeah, yeah. like when you get punched, <laughs> you'll learn just to shut up. It hmm. sucks. You'll learn a lesson. You'd rather it happen when it's refereed rather than in a bar where people are encouraging it. And you, there's you weapons. Get, and weapons, exactly. <laughs> Getting a fight once. That's the lesson of the podcast today. Um, <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen. All right, so we're coming up on an hour here. Do you boys got, uh, do you want to give a shout out to anyone or you're good? Shout out to the Dry going for their 21st title starting Monday. Let's go. Bill. That's it. All right, everyone listening, thank you very much for tuning in once again. We hope that uh, you took something from us three dummies and you can take it into your everyday life and Two talk dummies. about it at your, your water cooler talk at your job there. So Bus stop banter. This is the high button. We are done. We're heading out. We're done in this podcast. There's going to be more podcasts to come, but this in particular one is over. Make sure to go to all of our social media outlets. Like, subscribe, comment, Google, iTunes, SoundCloud, Facebook, and most importantly, YouTube. I might have already said it, but we are out. Peace.
my page Man, I thought I had everything, I was lonely Now you're my everything, I was lonely I thought I had everything, I was lonely 